I'm reading today from Psalm 78 in the New Living Translation, starting at verse 1. O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he has issued his laws to Jacob. He will give his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his words. Thank you very much. Cheeseman's Home Group for ministering to us this morning. Um, now it's Abby who's going to share from God's words. And as she comes, let's pray for that. Father God, thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that your word speaks to us, even today, although ancient. And we want to bless your name for your word today. But also, Lord, we want to bless Abby. And we ask that you help her to convey well what you have put into her heart, Lord, and what your word says. And Lord, I pray that also in our response, that it's not just a mere information and a good talk, but it's something for us, Lord, uh, to be working on towards worshipping and living for you. So bless these words and the meditations of Abba's heart and Lord, I pray that you're going to bless our hearts as we expect to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Marky. Hello, everybody. Oh, thank you for reading that, Hazel. Um, so today I'm going to be preaching from Psalm 78. Um, I'm going to start with a story, because I like a good story. And just for fun... I'm going to use this flip chart and I'm going to draw the story out for you because why not? So, the story starts. The king. Here he is. There's a little crown. He has a big kingdom. Very wealthy. He's, you know, got a lovely castle. Blah, blah, blah. Very happy. Happy guy. There we go. He's got a Quite a small body, but there we go. And this guy, he's, he's you know, he's happy. He's, um, you know, got a very big head, but he's, he's fine. Um, 
and he has a wonderful kingdom and everything, but he wants a companion. He wants somebody to, to share everything he has with and somebody to love and to cherish. He knows he's got a lot to give, so he goes on the search for somebody to be his companion, and he finds just a, a peasant girl. He finds, and he makes her his bride, and then she is going to share and everything with him. And they are married. There they are. Yay. Married. And there we go. There's the story. However, so very happy. They're in love. But then one day the king comes back and he finds that his queen has gone. His bride has left and she's had an affair with somebody. And he is sad. He's brokenhearted. She's left. She's broken their commitment. And he's angry. He's jealous. What's he going to do? She's gone. Are they, are they going to stay married? Well, he, he goes and finds her. And he decides, he remembers their marriage and he decides, I'm going to go and find her and they reconcile and he forgives her and she says sorry and they come back and they're happy again. But then what happens? It happens again and again and again and every time he's angry, he's upset, he's heartbroken but he goes and finds her and he seeks her and he brings her back and he loves her and stays married. And, well, we might think he should um, have just let her go. But he didn't. I'm going to come back to that story in a bit. So, as I said, today I'm preaching from Psalm 78. It is quite a long psalm, 72 verses, which is why we haven't read it all out this morning, but I really encourage you at some point to go and read it for yourself. And if you can, have it open in front of you now. That would be great. So Psalm 78. This psalm is about lessons from history. It tells part of the story of God's chosen people, the Jewish nation, from their slavery in Egypt to David's reign. The psalm talks about some of the amazing wonders that God's done for his people. He brought, um, brought them out of Egypt. He had, as a lot of us will know, all of those um, plagues that he brought on Egypt to let, make Pharaoh let them go. And then when they escaped, he split the sea open so they could go through and then it closed on their enemies. And then he led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and he gave them food and drink. And what did the people do? They rebelled against him. They put him to the test. They worshipped idols. They disobeyed his commands. They were not loyal. And, yeah, God was angry. He was angry that they didn't trust him. So why am I telling you about a story about a king and telling you about a story about a group of people from thousands of years ago? 
What's the link and how is this relevant to us today? So firstly, what's the link? So this story is about marriage. Now marriage is a metaphor for God's relationship with the Israelites, with his people. Some of you may struggle with this idea because our idea of an earthly marriage isn't always good. They don't always last. Sometimes they can be painful and they can be bad. But remember that marriage is the copy and it's not the original. God made this covenant, this agreement with his people. Um, but it was more than just a contract. It wasn't you know, like a document they both signed of, of this is what we're both going to do. It was more than that. It was a loving relationship. And that's why it's more like a marriage than a business transaction. But as we know, they were disloyal. They broke their side of the bargain, the people. And just like our story of the disloyal bride, this was like the people. They went away, they worshipped other, other gods, they were disloyal, they broke the contract. And what did God do? Yes, he was angry, he was jealous. But every time he went and sought them, they were his chosen people, he sought them, and he brought them back into that relationship. As it says, going into Psalm 78, it says, In spite of all this, in spite of all that God had given them, and all the wonders he had done, in spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days in futility and their years in terror. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God Most High was their Redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. And yet, he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. When a, an agreement, a contract, covenant, marriage, when one party breaks it, then it is void and the other person can walk away free. They're free to go. The king, God, was fully within his rights to say, that's it, I'm done with you. We had an agreement, you broke it. But he didn't. He valued it. He valued that relationship and he always went and sought them and brought them back. So that's the link to marriage. And how is that relevant to us today? I'm just going to read from Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. God knew that we weren't going to be able to keep our side of this agreement. He knew this cycle was going to carry on and on and we were never going to be able to hold up our side of the bargain. So what did God do? Let's see if this works. Oh, no, that doesn't. doesn't. God sent Jesus to fulfill our side of the bargain. I'll do that in black so everyone can see. 
God sent Jesus to die for all the wrong that we had committed. Christ gave himself up for us. And now we, the church, the body, a body of believers, we are like the bride of Christ. That's how we are um, described. We're made radiant without stain or wrinkle like a bride in white through Jesus' sacrifice. But to be honest, it doesn't really look much like a marriage anymore because a marriage is two people, two equal people coming together, both offering something. But you know what? We don't really offer anything. God's done it for us through Jesus. He, Jesus made us pure when we were not pure. And that means that we can enter into this, fully into this relationship with him. In some research I was doing for this talk, I was looking at some YouTube videos and I saw a comment on one of them and it really struck me and so I want to read it to you. I'm just going to have some water first. <clears throat> it said, It's very ironic how the world views the biblical God as the abuser. Love me or go to hell. When in fact, we are abusers, adulteresses in the relationship. We betray him, emotionally abuse him daily through our sins, but he forgives us and merely asks that we repent. In order to have a heart this big, one must have fathered and mothered everyone out there. There's only one being who loves every single person at every single moment. Our relationship with God is beautiful and challenging and incredible. I think often we can perceive the relationship as something different to what it really is. I found this example of looking at it like a marriage really useful. Of seeing how much God loves us. It's not just an agreement. It's meant to be a loving relationship. The Bible is sometimes called a love letter to humanity. And it's hard to see that when you're just reading one part of it. But when you see the bigger picture, you understand it as a whole. You see how much God loves us and what he is inviting us into. This loving relationship with the almighty God where he'll never let us down. And Psalm 78 is part of this love letter. As I've said, go and read it. It is so powerful. It goes through this story of God's people turning away from him again and again. And he was angry. He was jealous. It uses this language. They aroused his jealousy. He was angry. He was furious. He was heartbroken by his people. Often we can think of jealousy as a bad thing, but this is a pure jealousy where we owed him our allegiance, our loyalty, and we just gave it away. We did it then, and we do it now. But God always comes back. He always invites us back in.
like the Israelites, like what we can learn from this story. We are rebellious and disloyal, and we don't learn. But are we going to learn from their mistakes? As it says in, in verse 8, they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Are we going to be loyal to God? Are our spirits going to be faithful to him? Because of Jesus, we just have to say yes. That proposal, you know, talking about this as a marriage relationship, the proposal is right here, written again and again of God saying, I love you, I love you, please just say yes. As we heard last week from Eric, um, oh, lost my page. Um, he said, how we spend our free time will determine whether we stay mediocre Christians or whether our relationship with God can flourish into all he has for us. You get out what you put in, really. I mean, you get out much more than you put in, let's be honest. Um, but you've got to put in something. And all of us can agree, in any relationship, there has to be love and trust, commitment and communication. What you put into your relationship with God will determine how good that relationship is. He's there, he's waiting, he's literally laid it all out for us. And he is inviting you just to say yes. He doesn't ask us to be perfect. We obviously were never going to achieve that. He's drawing you in. Is your heart fully open to him? Is your view, his relationship with us, is it a bit wrong? Is it like this comment I read? Do you think of him maybe as a bit mean or you know, don't really understand that relationship? I encourage you, dig deeper. Read the word. Read this psalm. He won't let you down. And as Iron said from my prayer this morning, that we have this future hope and then we will know this relationship in all its fullness. We can't experience it on earth. We will one day. And it does seem uncertain right now. But God's people, the Israelites, they went through some terrible times. We're going to go through terrible times. But God is sovereign. He's in control. He's consistently there for you, and he welcomes you in. I just encourage you to really, really say yes to him and really commit to that relationship. I'm going to pray. <coughs> Father God, thank you so much for this invitation that you give us. Thank you for how good you are, that you knew we could never fulfill that agreement, that covenant you sent Jesus to cover everything we did wrong and give us that opportunity to have a real relationship with you. All we have to do is say yes. Thank you, God. I pray you speak to each one of us right now. Show us where our hearts are hardened. Show us where we're holding a grudge or we've got a misinterpretation or we don't fully grasp what that relationship with you means. 
just thank you, God, that you, you chase after us, that you love us and you just want us to be in relationship with you. I pray you help us to do that and that we'd put our trust in you and that hope for that future hope, that future joy that we're going to have with you when we know life and relationship with you in all its fullness. Thank you, Lord. Amen.